listening to the Disabled Trainer Podcast. I'm Amanda, I'm your host, and I am the Disabled Trainer, obviously. Um, So if you're new, um, I have started this podcast to kind of easier, as an easier kind of way to get the word out about more inclusive fitness. and my last episode, we talked about um, kind of the origins of fat phobia, just briefly, um, how they came to be through kind of colonization and the pitting of black women against white women um, to kind of control both. And it's really interesting. Um, and I recommended a book in that episode that I highly recommend you um, check out. It has a ton of information. And today we're going to be talking about um, body positivity, uh, more specifically the body positivity movement um, as like a social force. Then we're going to talk a little bit about how white feminism ruined it. And how now um, fat activists have moved more into um, fat liberation, which is a little more kind of aggressive than body positivity. And I say aggressive in a positive way. We'll get to it. Uh, First, I have an update. If you listen to my very first episode where I introduced myself, um, my philosophy and uh, kind of what we're doing here, I talked about my fish. My fish that would not die. My fish that would not die has officially died. Um, Man, he held on for a while. (laughs) Honestly, I was kind of relieved when, you know, we found him because he was in rough shape, y'all. And I'm kind of glad that he's kind of out of his misery now. I mean, <clears throat> he lasted for a long time, almost a whole year, this one. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we'll be getting any more fish. Fish are hard. Fish are difficult to take care of properly. Um, you really have to be very uppity. And, uh, and then, like, you know, there's certain things that you just can't help, but, you know. You just keep feeding him and hope he gets better. So, um, fish is gone. Now we have two snails in the fish tank. Uh, I don't really know what to do now, but meh, they're kind of fun to watch crawl along the side. And then you can see like they're, they're under like half and they're like little mouths, like cleaning the, the side of the tank. It's kind of cool. Our son enjoys it. And they're a lot less high maintenance than fish are, so I guess we'll just keep them, but whatever. Um, I have allergies, because in Texas, the pollen never rests. So I'm sorry if I clear my throat a shit ton. Um, That's Texas for you. So, um, let's get started. So... The body positive movement itself kind of 
it connects. So the reason that I wanted to do the background of fat phobia in the last episode is because I wanted to cover this topic. And I think that that background is very important because the timeline kind of continues on. So we talked about how um, originally women's bodies that were curvier, the kind of the Rubenesque idea um, was very popular. And then as black women started um, becoming more um, obvious in society, I guess, as more and more slaves were brought in, um, then their bodies were juxtaposed against white women's. And so... um, white women started to feel like they needed to slim down as an antithesis to the the curvy bigger bodies of african women who were now in their um social awareness i guess um i mean as slaves they didn't really have you know any agency obviously they were there against their will but their presence still affects um, societal norms, obviously. Um, and so then we get to, um, so one of the sources I'm using for this is Wikipedia, just because it's laid it out, um, pretty nice. So in the kind of Victorian era, following on from the previous, um, kind of, body type kind of war we've got going on here. Now the fashion has gotten into it where um, corsets and um, tight lacing got into the fashion so um, that women could achieve those tiny little waistlines. And so they had curves, but they weren't big And, um, so the whole point of this is kind of that men have put these expectations on women's bodies. And even at the time, if you couldn't kind of get the corset to give you that shape, you were, you know, seen as less than and you were mocked. So... Not only that, but this fashion is very harmful for your body. It compresses your internal organs. It hinders your ability to breathe properly. Um, I always think of that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where Kira Knightley uh, is like, she can't breathe from the thing, and then she like passes out. <laughs> And falls over the side of the, the rocks and, and Jack Sparrow goes to save her. But, um, you know, same idea. But it was that desire to change the body. And there were women who um, fought for, at this point, the right to wear pants, right? And against those those physical expectations of skinny waist 
and you know hips and, and things like that it's kind of that ideal body type we see today where someone is curvy but they're still they're curvy in the right way you know they they still have a flat tummy and they don't have rolls really um especially when they're standing so it's kind of like that idea um so now we're gonna go into the 60s um there was an essay um, written by someone named Lou Louderback, and um, he wrote it. It's called More People Should Be Fat, and he kind of describes the discrimination that fat people um, experience in uh, society. And this is kind of seen as um, the the spark of the modern body modern body positivity movement. I'm not editing that out because I don't care. Um, so this led to um, the creation of what is called the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance in 1969. And, um, and then we get into the health at every size movement, which I will talk about more in depth in another, um, episode. And I'll probably include intuitive eating with my discussion about that. Um, but the basics here, um, so the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance um, wanted to kind of change how we talk about and look at being fat. Um, and so they kind of had this distinction between fat and like super obese. Um, and then the Health at Every Size movement is basically the idea that health can be better um, determined by looking at our health markers. So that's things like our blood pressure, our um, heart, you know, resting heart rate, um, you know, how functional we are, and, and things like that. Um, now, I just want to include here a note that health, the idea of health is very um, personal. So I can look at myself and think I'm pretty healthy, but that's for me. I'm not actually healthy um, compared to somebody who is abled and doesn't have all of the other extra um, conditions that I have along with my disability. But to me, I'm pretty healthy in that my blood pressure is good and I don't get sick super often. Um, I try and eat pretty balanced, um, but it's just kind of, it's relative. You know, there isn't one way to be healthy. Um, and a lot of people that we see and judge as unhealthy because of the size of their bodies could be very healthy. Um, a lot of it has to do with 
our lifestyle habits. So, you know, someone could be thin and sleep five hours a night and binge drink all the time and never touch a vegetable. But, you know, society would look at them and think, well, they're skinny, so they have to be healthy. They might look at someone like me and think, oh, she is fat and that's why she's unhealthy. Um, I see my weight as a byproduct of my conditions and the struggles that I have in everyday life. And it's really difficult um, to kind of reconcile those things for other people. And that's why we need to remember that health is a personal um, standard. That's what we're looking at here when we talk about that. So as the... um, body positivity movement kind of grew. Um, It started being more present in fitness. Um, And it definitely does, at its core, not push intentional weight loss. It tends to be the idea that if you happen to lose weight by incorporating more healthy habits into your daily lifestyle, then that's cool. Uh, But unintentional weight loss isn't necessary for health for the vast majority of people. Um, I'm not going to comment on, like, people who um, are, like, stuck inside their homes because they are um, a certain size or, you know, things like that. Um, that's not really like my place to to talk about that. I obviously have no um, experience with that, so we're not gonna get into those kind of um, out of the ordinary situations. We're talking about regular, you know, people that we see every day, kind of thing. Um, So, obviously, as uh, social media took off, the movement grew. Um, It's kind of hard to know, like, in your personal life, who's going to accept your opinions and be supportive. But, you know, online, you can search for a group for almost everything. So, obviously, it started to take off. Um, Also with, like different celebrities embracing body positivity and size acceptance, um, it kind of trickled down to other people. And it's, it's a good in a way, because what happens now is that, um, as it infiltrates society, we get better representation of, um, different body types so the wikipedia page mentions like how barbie um like how mattel has introduced more varied um barbies that have different body shapes and different skin colors and things like that so that they are more inclusive and that's really important um It's important for kids to see people like them, even if it's a doll, 
it just means to them that, you know, society is more inclusive and, um, it paves the way to see even more examples in society of uh, people like them doing, um, what they would like to do or just seeing them do different things. Um, you know, seeing more women in STEM careers is going to encourage, you know, younger girls and women to pursue that if they want to, because they know they can now. Um, that's just one example, but it, it speaks across the board for everyone. So, what I want to discuss, and I'm going to preface this by saying that, yes, I am a white woman, but I do not subscribe to white feminism. Um, so, <clears throat> oh, there's my cat. Hello, Lila. Goodbye, Lila. Okay. She's now behind the very big TV. Do not, do not knock over my TV. All right. So, <clears throat> going back to kind of the racial disparity, um, Body positivity is something that's naturally, um, so this is an article uh, written by someone named Danielle Jennings, and it's called Black Women Started the Body Positivity Movement, But White Women Corrupted It. And so what <clears throat> this author discusses is that body positivity has always been a, par a part of black culture because of the celebration of curves um, in their, like, you know, societal norms. And being outside of what is called, you know, what would be considered the beauty standards um, because they have dark skin and less European features, um, you know, that also contributes to this. Um, especially when we see, like, um, black women and other non-white women like embracing their natural hair that's a form of body positivity um because you know they're they're embracing how it naturally is and it's supposed to be and they're not trying to conform to the standard that says that you know only long straight hair is acceptable i'm actually really excited that there's a lot of like n like no discrimination um against hair like laws coming out because I think that's a really important step for people to like get the stick out of their ass it's hair like this is how it grows in this is how we style it like there's nothing wrong with that so that's kind of one of the ways that body positivity influences society again um but what she discusses is how body positivity has kind of 
centered white women again. So you have like white celebrities who are um, fat, who have had a lot of success based on the fact that they are it part part of why they're popular is because they're bigger, right? It's that representation thing again. And Okay, sorry about that. I had to pause to sneeze really loudly. Um <clears throat> so, um we see white women who are popular um actresses um you know like Melissa McCarthy for instance um and they are celebrated in part for the size of their bodies um you know they're they're doing the thing and they're fat and it's cool and yada yada <clears throat> but as um Danielle discusses in their article you don't see black women of the same size celebrated for, you know, the same thing, especially when their skin is darker. So there may be lighter skinned black women who uh, are more popular um, because of their curves and things like that. But, you know, kind of the darker the skin, the less attention that they get. Um, <clears throat> I, um, I think that it's important to, um, acknowledge this because it's, it's really, I mean, obviously it's racist, um, <clears throat> but it's also interesting to see, like, how white women center themselves in the body positive movement. Um, and this is one of the things that white feminism is really bad about. So the reason that it's called white feminism is because white women center themselves in like the feminist discourse. And this is a problem because they're ignoring the intersectional nature. They're, they're ignoring why we need intersectionality in feminism because, yes, as women, they're oppressed. But if we, you know, if we go back to that previous episode where I talked about they were pitting black women and white women against each other, but the black women that we're talking about were slaves. Like, they're, they're still centering themselves while this way more oppressed group is suffering even more because of, you know, the extra layer of oppression they have to deal with from being black. And so when I'm talking about why it's important that we know that the body positivity movement has its foundations um, with black women. It's because white women have come in and co-opted it. <clears throat> and that's going to take us into our next um, little mini topic. So what I've seen um, and 
what Danielle says in her article, um, how fat women in the body positivity movement are ignored in favor of white women. What these, you know, what I've seen from white women coming into body positivity um, is co-opting this, again, from black women and other non-white women. They, these women have built this movement. It includes parts of their culture. It is... um, it is like such peak white feminism to come in and like co-opt something that non-white women have built and then is integral to, to who they are. Um, and so what I've seen from white women in this is they, they, they either just directly come into the body positive movement Um, Or it's assumed that they are part of the body positive movement because of the way they talk. And so this is part of that body positivity coming into um, the fitness industry. A lot of these terms that people use have been um, misused. So... Now, what happens is that um, whereas body positivity before would have said you don't need to lose weight to accept yourself and be healthy, now these women are using the body positivity movement to sell weight loss. Now, I don't have anything against weight loss. I have something against selling diets and weight loss because they don't really work. And to me, it's more important that we get a body to um, a more functional spot than it is to stress it out and lose weight. I'm going to cover another um, book at some point it's called secrets from the eating lab and um it is basically the the woman who run like who ran or still runs i forget um an eating lab uh, where they do research at a university and one important thing is that they uh they did a study where they tested the stress hormones of people who are restricting their calories, who are trying to diet and lose weight, and they found that their stress hormones went through the roof. Um, I found that fascinating and very important because we, like, stress our bodies and we tell ourselves that it's good for us, but is it? I mean, stress can harm us just as much as, you know, any strain on our heart, um, that, you know, the concern trolls like to, to scream at us about. So it's just some, something to think about. Um, but, um, 
I think that the worst part of kind of the white feminists coming in and kind of stealing the body positivity movement is that oftentimes they're really ambiguous about um, whether or not they actually support body positivity. And I've seen them say things like, um, you know, you you need to be wary of people who tell you that weight loss isn't necessary. Um, and this is while they <clears throat> have either pretended to be part of the body positivity movement or just not corrected people who have assumed. So like I've supported uh, businesses before that I believed were body positive because of the way that they spoke. And then over time, they still use that language, but they start pushing weight loss a lot more. And so now they're just another diet company who speaks of body positivity, um, but it's their version. And so stealing that from black women and also... I mean, body positivity also has a history of, you know, queer and trans people um, being involved. And so basically, you know, it's classic white feminism stealing from oppressed people for their own, you know, benefit. And so now they're saying, well, maybe you can't trust those people who say you don't need to lose weight because it is body positive to go on a diet. Um, And just a reminder that anything that is, you know, with anything with the goal of losing weight is a diet because you're restricting you I mean you got to be restricting your food to lose weight basically um again I'm not against losing weight I'm against selling weight loss because I think that it is a scam and I don't like it um don't at me because I don't care um so that kind of takes us into the more, as I called it, aggressive in a positive way, um, fat liberation. So when we're talking about fat liberation, um, we're talking about a step beyond body positivity. And it's because of the, um, the movement being co-opted by thinner, um, white women who do um, have a privileged body type that doesn't really... I mean, these people can benefit from body positivity, but um, that's not who it was meant for. And so the people who have forgotten kind of where the body positivity movement um, have come from have made like a fluffy body positivity. The people who understand the roots of the body positivity movement and what it was supposed to be for in the first place have moved on to fat liberation or fat acceptance. And so fat acceptance... um, I'm going to call it fat liberation just because I like that term more. But 
the idea here is that um, society has kind of started um, putting caveats on fat bodies. So, well, you're you're a good fatty because you exercise and you eat salads. And um, as we talked about before, those curvy but still kind of conventional um, big bodies where you still have a flat stomach or my cat is playing with the scratch post. I'm sorry. Um, Luna! Luna! No, now she's laying down on it. Whatever. She is almost six months old and she only has three legs. And she's nutty bananas. She runs... She has the zoomies a lot, which is weird. <laughs> like, with three legs, because her back have kind of like she's missing the back right leg and so she kind of runs sideways <laughs> it's hilarious I love her she's so cute okay anyway so um, we've kind of like gotten to this point where people are okay with fat people as long as they're fat people who are in line, you know, because the assumption then is that because you're exercising and eating, you know, well, that, you know, you'll probably lose weight eventually. So you're good. You're good. Um, so, so the problem here is that, um, that's kind of, what body positivity is left with and what fat liberation says is that um, people should obviously, I mean, this is like a no brainer and that's why I hate like society because it's like, is it really that difficult to just like treat fat people with respect? Like I, I don't get it, but you know, pressure society is exhausting. You guys, um, so, uh, the fat liberation goes in more in depth on, um, kind of how we need to break down the stigma, um, and end fat phobia. Um, so whereas body positivity is kind of a gateway into this, then it becomes more, um, of a political movement when you move into fat liberation because that will lead the way to ending the oppression and we kind of talked a little bit about fat phobia in the last episode and how it affects people um but it really affects people in like all spaces of society. If you go into somewhere and there's not a chair that you can fit into, um, you know, that's not cool. Um, if you have to pay for two seats on a plane, you know, that's, that's just more oppression. Planes are the worst y'all. I hate planes. <laughs> like even when you're thin, planes are terrible. And then you add in extra weight and it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, I would rather walk back to Canada than get on a plane again, but whatever. Um, you know what needs to come back? Trains. 
I like a good train. You know, you sit there, there's scenery. It takes longer. But at least you can, like, get up and walk around and you're not in a plane. So, what, um, what we're trying to achieve here with the fat liberation is kind of freeing people, um, from kind of those judgments about their bodies and, and these judgments prevent them from, um, getting promotions, um, going to the doctor because a lot of fat people avoid going to the doctor because they'll just be told to lose weight. And this is how people die of preventable things, um, which is tragic. Um, you know, it's also going to help us have more, um, clothing options or, um, feel more comfortable eating in public. It's really little things like that. Um, and so one of the first steps is getting society to a point where we're not saying because you're fat, you're no good. Um, there has been a lot more, um, representation diversity in a lot of ads um in the last few years um even some big brands um i know that um airy by american eagle they have um disabled um people in their ads now um people with feeding tubes i think or um i know that there's one person in a wheelchair. I can't remember. I've seen those ads. I don't, I try not to look at ads because then I just buy everything. But if you go on their website, you can see, um, a lot of variety of body types and it's really great to see. And that's what we need. We need, um, and this doesn't stop at fat people. Fat liberation is specific, but it's also applicable when we're talking about ableism. Um, I know that one of their models has Down syndrome. You know, it's things like that. And knowing that the people in your TV show um, are actually autistic instead of a neurotypical person playing, you know, an autistic person or seeing someone in a wheelchair knowing that that's their real life. Um, and it's not some abled person sitting in a wheelchair for a TV show. Um, that's how we need representation, which leads to liberation. And so the fat liberation is for fat people and it's political and, um, The the reason that it exists is because we needed a more radical option than just body positivity. I think that really, um, I think that white feminism has really, it has ruined body positivity for me. Um, just as someone who is disabled, who is queer, who is fat, um, it's really, it's super disheartening to see, like, yet again that 
these are the people representing like the liberation of oppressed people like I don't think that you know these are the same people who have told me well you know, well everyone has problems you know when I talk about you know my health issues yes I know everyone has problems but this one's mine and I'm allowed to hate it or whine about it because I'm a human being and I'm not perfect and so the fat liberation movement is kind of just another um, support for dismantling oppression as we dismantle these things as we um, push our way into representation so that it's not just white feminists or, you know, able bodies or thin bodies, um, or, you know, European features, um, we become able to liberate the other oppressed people in our society. And that's why intersectional feminism is so important, um, because once we start to chip away at one area, it allows us to chip away at the others. And so if we are fighting for fat liberation, then we will also be able to chip away at racism because the fat liberation helps, um, you know, black women be able to, you know, celebrate their bodies in wider society more, you know, it, it will also help, you know, disabled people, um, especially if you're disabled and fat, which is a special, special hell. (laughs) Um, I, I kind of don't know like how to end this. It's a lot of information and it's really difficult to grasp like why body positivity has kind of become a negative thing to a lot of people as I mentioned it can be kind of fluffy and it can be very simplistic but I think that the the dieting and the weight loss that have creeped into the idea of body positivity are the most harmful. Um, and I've spoken to other people, um, who have seen companies slowly phase out real body positivity and replace it with this, you know, fluffy bopo, uh, you know, weight loss is cool if you do it our way. Um, you know, it, it, they've seen it creep in and it has caused them to move away from those companies. Um, it's kind of, you know, like finding out your favorite celebrity is like a super shitty person or something, you know, like (laughs) I thought that, you know, you were, you were cool. I thought that, you know, you, were one thing and now you know I can see that you're just the same as everyone else and you think you have like a safe place or a good um place to get support and then all of a sudden it's all about weight loss and 
you're floundering again. So, you know, what flat, fat liberation is trying to do is remove this fat phobia so that we don't have to deal with this anymore. Um, people should be free to have the bodies they, they have. Um, and that's why we need a more, more radical version of body positivity. So, um, if you want real body positivity, (laughs) I'd suggest looking into the fat liberation movement. Um, this way, especially if you are white, you are honoring the, the blackness and the queerness and the fatness that's at the center of actual um, body positivity that tells us that we are who we are and we deserve respect and um, access and accommodations now. Um, So yeah, I think that that's kind of all that I wanted to talk about. My cat is going crazy. I have three cats. And two of them are too old to play all day. And they're, uh... Let's see, Lila is nine. And Lucy will be ten. In July? June. June, I think. And then this is Luna. Um playing on my reusable grocery bags. That's sanitary. Um, she's the one with three legs and she plays all goddamn day. Um, like a kitten does. I never realized like how old I felt until I got a kitten and I'm like, dude, chill out. But it was fun to watch her play because like, because she's missing the one leg. She has like a lot of instability. So she's like laying down and you can like flop her over really easily and it's funny to watch her like try and do things with two hands while she has only one leg and she can't balance. Um, so she's she's wearing down these older cats though. She's getting them to play with her so that's nice. And she purrs really loudly which is my favorite thing. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh the sound of a cat purring is literally the best sound in the history of the world. Um, and now she's licking her butt. That's lovely. Anyways, so um, if you have any questions, then please let me know. The easiest way to get a hold of me is probably through my Facebook page, um, which is called Unconventional Fitness. I do have a Facebook group if you'd like to join it. It's called the Unconventional Fitness Community, and it is linked on my Unconventional Fitness um, Facebook page. Also, I didn't think about how often I'd have to say Unconventional Fitness when I named it, and it seems like a really long name, and I don't... Yeah, but I'm not... My business has been renamed like five times. I'm not renaming it again. Um... I have a Patreon with no patrons. Who's 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 up next? Who wants to be my first patron again? <laughs> um, oh, this week or this not this week, this month in March, in my Facebook group, we're doing a walking challenge. 
Um, I'm encouraging everyone to go walk a few days a week, um, even for just 10 minutes. Um, just kind of building that habit of, of going for a walk. Walking is a really great uh, form of exercise if you can do it. It's really, I think, foundational um, to our bodies because, like, evolutionarily speaking, I hope that's a word, um, walking upright is, like, one of the things that, you know, that's kind of the impetus for us evolving, you know, kind of into humans. Um, And also these neat opposable thumbs. Um, So... Yeah. Uh, anyways, so walking challenge, nothing to do with thumbs. Um, I'm very tired and I'm going to go for my walk now and to wake myself up and I hope you all enjoy and yeah, I will talk at you, uh, next time. Have a great day. Bye.